Philippians chapter 3 verses 1 to 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, and the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. A few years ago, I went to a Christmas Eve service uh, with my wife's extended family uh, to a church in the Welsh Valleys. And it was a memorable evening for multiple reasons. Firstly, the carols were sung in a way that only a church in that part of the world can manage. And secondly, the, the sermon was particularly both memorable uh, in, in a way that it was both ex encouraging but also terrifying all at the same time because the vicar uh, who gave the sermon was, was so animated and so into what he was saying that multiple times I thought he was going to fall out of the pulpit. But after the service, um, my wife's uncle uh, kind of spoke about how he felt the vicar had actually been a, had contradicted himself because being Christmas Eve, the vicar had shared the gospel with the many visitors there. He'd shared about how Jesus uh, calls it, you know, gives us the free gift of grace. There is nothing we can do to earn salvation, but just put our faith in him. There is nothing we can do. And yet he then went on to say about how things we do in response to that grace. And, he, and being a good vicar, he gave three points that we should do. So Kathy's uncle was understandably confused. How can Jesus on the one hand give us a free gift that asks us to do nothing, but then on the other hand ask us to do something all in the same breath? And he was right. Of course, the gospel gives us in some ways a paradox. You know, God's grace is the free gift that we can do nothing to earn, but at the same time, it is the free gift that costs us so much. And quite rightly, we talk about the first half of that equation quite a lot in church. 
You know, we talk about how there is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. It is a gift from God. You know, as Paul writes in Ephesians, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. But as our passage today explores, and in, in fact as the teachings of Jesus throughout the New Testament, and the New Testament as a whole seem to attest, as we receive the grace of God and receive his uh, relationship, enter into an eternal relationship with God, and who is the source of all goodness, God's grace calls us into a radical response, putting Jesus first, following him with our lives, because that is the best thing we could possibly do. So let's turn to our passage in particular, and in it we get, we get to see Paul's experience of responding to this free gift of God's grace. And first century Judaism, we have to remember, was a society that prized status, uh, prized that person's works, their ability to follow the law and how good they were at that. And Paul writes that if anyone had reason to be to put you know, value in their earthly worth, their status, then he did. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. See, in his world's eyes, in his culture's eyes, Paul had everything going for him. And yet, he encountered the risen Jesus. He met with him, and, and despite the fact that Paul's zeal had led to him persecuting the church and even murdering Christians, actually he experienced the grace and forgiveness of God, of Jesus forgiving him and entering into relationship, and that changed Paul's life. That utterly turned it around. As we have said throughout the series, Paul went on to live for Jesus, and it led to him being uh, writing this letter of Philippians from his own version of lockdown in house arrest. He was persecuted. He was writing to the church in Philippi that had known persecution since its conception. And all that status he had among his own people had gone. But in an instant, he knew that Jesus was better. He writes, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, my Lord. And Paul is not on his own in this. He's not on his own. In fact, people who have risked everything for Jesus, they exist in the world today. Open Doors is, is an organisation that support the persecuted church. And a few years ago, I heard... Uh, a speaker of theirs at New Wine. And it was a lady called Heiwu. She was about this tall, she was in her 70s, and she was overflowing with the presence and the Spirit of God. But her life was one of trauma. I'm going to put a link below to a more full description of her testimony. But in short, Heiwu was, it had escaped North Korea to China, uh, and there she became a Christian. She encountered Christians, she encountered the Bible, she gave her life to Jesus. 
But then the secret police tracked her down and she was taken back to North Korea, whereas it is of course illegal to be a Christian, and she was thrown into a concentration camp. Whilst in prison, she miraculously found a few other Christians and they wanted to worship Jesus together because in spite of all their sufferings, in all their pain, they knew that Jesus was better. They knew that the relationship they had with God was worth it. So they would go to the one place where the guards weren't watching, which was the toilet. This foul, stinking hole in the ground that I can't even imagine how horrible it was. And what they would do is they'd line up one behind the other, five or six of them, and they would queue for the toilet. But actually what they would do is they'd let anyone who came to the loo go in front of them. And whilst they were there, they would sing praise and worship songs to God. Songs like Amazing Grace. They would encourage one another with the Bible, uh, the bits of the Bible that they remembered. And there they encountered the Spirit of God. Heiru talked about how actually in their suffering, they knew the presence and the peace and the joy of the Lord Jesus. See, the persecuted church knows what it means when we say that God's grace is the free gift that costs so much. But again, they aren't alone in saying that and then knowing that it is so worth it. And there are many stories that aren't as headline grabbing as Heiru's. They're not as alien to us. They're more like our lives. You know, this week I was loosely involved in producing a podcast, which was a discussion between two vicars. Um, they're two friends, and, and it was a discussion kind of reflecting on the church's response to George Floyd's murder and the Black Lives Matter movement. One of the vicars is a guy called Dennis. He's a person of colour from Uganda originally, but moved to the UK as a child. And the other is Richard Moy, a vicar again in London, who is, he is a white middle-class man who is a vicar in a posh part of London. And in this discussion, what became apparent was that both Dennis and Richard were willing to be uncomfortable, to be vulnerable, to risk something by putting themselves out there to truly love the other person, to listen, to engage. And this is, you know, for Dennis, it would be much easier, as someone who'd experienced racism since he was a young child, it'd be much easier to, to protect himself, to guard himself, to build up walls. But no, he hears the call of Jesus, his saviour, to love one another, to even love and pray for his enemies, to forgive and seek reconciliation. See, Jesus gives us the free gift of grace, but in response, we are called to live our lives for him. And as we're asking on this series, how we learn to live the life in the new normal, I want to ask, how is God calling us to risk status and perhaps our well-being by standing up for his gospel, bringing good news to the poor, uh, release for the prisoner, freedom for the oppressed? How is God calling us to make ourselves vulnerable to share the good news of Jesus, of salvation, for all people who believe in him? And honestly, as I finish, I don't know if I can actually answer those questions now. I'm not going to because, do you know what, it's going to take a lifetime of asking those questions. But what I do know is this. It is so worth it. Every time we put Jesus first in our lives, it is worth it. Every time we risk something, every time I risk something 
for Jesus. I know that is worth it. The Spirit of God is with us, encouraging us, walking with us, and, it, and we are growing in our relationship with that, that God who is the source of all goodness, joy, love, peace. For Dennis and Richard, both would say that following Jesus into whatever vulnerable situations they may face is so worth it. And coming back to Paul, he finishes our passage by saying, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and to participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Because the benefits of knowing Jesus don't just apply to this life, they go on and on into eternity. God's grace is the free gift that costs so much, but gives us everything. And Jesus gives and gives and gives on into eternal life. Amen.